Welcome everyone to episode 105 of the Indie Reds podcast. I'm your host, Joe Dilling. With me tonight are the returns of Jim Dimitri and Brian Smith. I guess it's actually the returns for all of us since I was deathly ill last week and uh, and made a game time decision to scrap the podcast. So tonight we're going to try something a little bit different. Um, I've found myself doing a bit of match recap before we start talking, and I'm kind of thinking let's try something a little different tonight. So we're going to not do a, a recap and just kind of talk about it and see how that works out again. Um, so we're going to talk about the Spurs match uh, from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well as uh, the visit from the scum from Manchester United. Uh, we'll also maybe a few pieces of transfer gossip and look ahead at the Wolves match. But first, I know he's itching to talk about it, so I am not drinking anything tonight, believe it or not. Um, but Brian, what are you partaking of tonight as we podcast? Uh, Pabst and tomato juice. Oh it's my delicious. god, that sounds terrible. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm not, is that cl- not. clamato? <laughs> uh, Bud Light made one of those. Yeah, they did. <laughs> no, tonight I'm I'm in um, a celebratory mood after a couple of terrific wins and getting back and potting with you guys again. So I'm going back to the old tried and true the gin and tonic in a glass way too big for a drink of that type and have some extras here on the side in case we talk for a while. So, yep. Back to the old gin and tea. So, or G and T rather. Um, but you're not drinking anything at all. I'm sure Jim is, he's got something in his hand. I'm, I'm hoping, I hope it's not just me. Jim, save me. Yeah, I, I am. So, uh, uh there's a, a brewery from Astoria, New York, Queens, uh, called single cut. And they're kind of, uh, hazy hoppy beer specialists uh, and everything i've had from it is phenomenal just um, amazing um and tonight i am drinking their double dry hop full stack imperial ipa uh it's fairly fresh they just canned it in january beginning of this month so it's mighty tasty all right. Nice. Man. What's the name of the brewery again? I'm sorry. It, it's, they're called Single Cut. Single, Single Cut. Cut. Yeah. Um, you you can find them at I, I saw them at cons, but I bought I usually I've been shopping out on the east side more frequently lately when I've been buying my beer. Um, there's a liquor store on 10th and Emerson called Stoney's. It's out in Irvington, and uh, they uh, they are good about catering to beer geeks like me. So I, I bought my four pack of single cut double dry hop full stack at Stoney's liquors on 10th and Emerson. So no free plugs. Um, so you better tell them you better get some beer. Um, sorry for those of you out of town. Don't know who cons are. I am drinking the hard truth vodka for Brown County. So send me a case. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. Right. Um, but the apologies, if you have no idea where Irvington is or the fact that it's the hipster area. So of course they're going to cater to beer geeks like Jim. It's not a hipster area. It's an everybody area. It's it's the old hipster area. It was, it was broad which is still kind of hipster. And then it was Irvington, and now it's Fountain Square it's, and it's, whatever's next to Fountain Square. I it's always the hipster, forget it. Hipster parents area. How about that? <laughs> the hipster parents area. The family friendly hipsters. How about that? Yes. <laughs> All right. Family friendly. <laughs> no, seriously. Very almost, much like Union Jack and Broderick. We, like family friendly. We, we looked at places in Irvington and really liked the area, but um, didn't work out for us. Okay. All right. So 
Let's just jump in and let's talk about the football. To the football. So uh, I'll be the first to admit I didn't know how Spurs were going to set up uh, tactically for their match. Uh, Jose's known to park the bus, but you know the weapons that Spurs have, even without Harry Kane, um, it doesn't really suit that style of parking the bus. So what what really surprised you guys in the way that Spurs played? Um, I know I didn't give you guys a ton of time to talk about it, so if you want me to, I can uh, t- show you my thughts, or we'll just start with you, Jim. Uh, um, I, uh, really, nothing surprised me about it. I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head because it was sort of a park and counter kind of system where um, they had uh, you know seven, eight behind the ball most of the time, but then they were letting uh, Lucas Mora and uh, and Son and uh, who else was who was kind of floating behind Son. I'm trying Christian to remember. Erickson. It's been what two weeks now. Yeah. Uh, Wasn't it Erickson? Uh, Deli Ali oh. <laughs> um, was okay. was kind of floating around behind Sun in there in the in, in floating around the to both sides of the pitch. Um, so I thought I thought that was expected, um, and, uh, and I don't want to jump ahead too much here, but um, I was um, uh, I, I guess I should say I was surprised by how much of the ball they had in in the second half. And uh, and the, the chances they were were able to create there, but I chalked that more up to our, our we were looking kind of fatigued as the second half wore on. But I'm jumping way way ahead here, so <laughs> uh, just just to kind of uh, uh, gather my kind of disjointed thoughts here, I was not surprised by the way they set up in the first half. All right, Brian, what, were you surprised at all in the way that they set up in the way that they played? No, not the way they set up and the way they played. I mean, on, on paper, it looked like a four-four-two, and you know, Deli Ali and, and kind of Mora up front with, but you know, but those guys are very interchangeable. No Kane, of course, as you mentioned, so it, they didn't have a real, you know, definitive striker that was going to lead the line and be the you know furthest advanced and the target for every long ball. That kind of stuff really wasn't in play, and you know. Sun did what he always did was wide and when cut inside it was you know seemingly dangerous and you know for good portions of the match I didn't think Erickson was very good and that's why they subbed him out his maybe mind somewhere else it really about is. half an hour to go or so sorry his mind somewhere else he's not yeah he's it not could committed. be yeah well Winks wasn't particularly effective either well, but um, it's Harry no. Winks no <laughs> but he's Harry Winks right <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly. <laughs> exactly so yeah as far as their setup kind of what I expected and and the way they played. You know they're they're not in a great spot in the table. They haven't been playing particularly well. And I, I was a little bit worried they were just going to come out and just try to you know really go after us, especially being at home. You know, but um, they they didn't. And you know we had some good spells in the first half as well. And and uh, you know they certainly didn't come out flying. But then again, I was probably pretty stupid to think that Mourinho was going to send a team out and fly after anybody and really kind of go for it the way that that we seem to be able to. They just don't have the player, the wide players who can do that. They don't have the players up front that can do that and to be frank they don't have the midfield players that are playing well enough to do that either so yeah true true um so you know i i think the thing that stuck out for me was they were they were really going hard from from go like at spurs like all of our little passes that usually pay off they were they were pressuring us they were counter pressing i guess um at least the way i saw it a lot, and it was getting to us. We weren't quite expecting that, but we still had seventy three percent possession in the first half. Yeah. So, so I mean, you, you never had. It'd be 
It'd be like the break up the play, and then okay, now Liverpool's resetting. All right, break up the play. Now Liverpool's. Yeah, it helped that we had the ball all the time, but a couple times he was, um, you know, asked to to pull something off a performer when the ball, you know, he didn't do as well as he normally did. But you know, it could be that he was um, a little bit fatigued, as, as Jim mentioned. So, what do you think about uh, Gomez, Jim? Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Um, you know, that, to, to be fair to him, I, you know, I think this was this was a blip uh, over. The, so he's been in since I'm trying to think of when Lovren got injured. It was it was just uh, November. Yeah, so it was for, what seven eight matches ago, um, and or maybe even more than that. More because but, of uh, the Club World Cup, but still, yes. But still, right. So um, yeah, but, I remember yeah, I Gomez. Mean, not, Starting the Bournemouth game at the beginning of December, for sure. And the game before that was um, the Everton match. And Lovren started the game against Everton mm-hmm. back on uh, December 4th. So December 7th was the first uh, start for Gomez. So there, there you go. Right. Um, but uh, but ju- just to re- recap my, my, my point, it was that um, I, I think he's been – been been effective since he's he's come come back in, um, and I think he's showing that he is the ideal uh, uh, pair with uh, Virgil in the center of defense. Um, but yeah, I, you know there were a couple times he was he was caught out. Um, he seemed a little bit slow to the ball and in the tackle. So uh, I guess that's a long winded way of saying yes. I agree with both of you. <laughs> So there we go. Do, do you feel, because I think when I wrote this podcast a week and a half ago, um, I felt that we kind of had this feeling that we got lucky to win the match. Do you think that maybe it was kind of a luck issue or, uh, or you know, um, or no, nah, we, we had this game the whole time. I mean, I, I get the whole 73% possession, but, um, but still, I, there were a lot of shots, I think, from – uh, from Sun and and uh, Lucas Mora that that almost came off. So, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, th- I certainly think there was a, an element of luck in it. Um, particularly, I think I think Sun had a couple of sitters, if I remember correctly. That one that he just blazed, or a couple that he blazed wide. Uh, maybe one that he blazed over the bar. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think there was some luck in it. We we looked. Uh, back on our heels for a good part of the second half. Um, you know, they, they certainly had the better run of play in that half. Um, but, uh, but, but, but that being said, um, you know, I, what, one of the things I, that was discussed after the match was, uh, I think Mourinho mentioned in his, in his press conference, post conference or post match press conference that, uh, they had specifically, uh, tried to focus on defending throw-ins and, and we saw how well that, that worked out because um, because Bobby's goal uh, came off a, a throw-in that uh, that that really I think started with Harry Winks just not defending very well. <laughs> if you go back and you look at the goal, there are a number of players, number of Spurs players who are trying to, to defend the throw-in, and they're they're all goal side. But but um, when when Bobby Bobby starts to make his run, Harry Winks is is the guy who's in front of him, and he just kind of falls asleep, and that that started the whole sequence that led to the goal. With you know the ball eventually falling to Mo, and then Mo laying it off to Bobby. Uh, and and Bobby, if you if you watch that goal again, you'll see that he he lets it run to his left foot uh, before he takes the shot, uh, and just a beautiful beautiful finish, of course. 
Um, so, but that was all first half again. And, and, and as I've, I've, we've, we've been focusing on here, it was really the second half where, where Spurs, uh, I think had the better run of play. Yeah. You know, what do you guys think? I, I think, I think that, you know, and I'll just summarize this. I think it was a good first, a first, a good game for the front three, not uh, like a great game because it was only one nil, but I thought the midfield was, had a rough game. Um, maybe that's kind of where they were looking leggy, except for when Henderson just said, I'm not going to be stopped and goes and wins that header that gets the ball to Mo, which gets it to Bobby. Um, I really wasn't that happy with the performance in the match, um, from, from the midfield. I thought defense was strong. Um, I mean, we, we still had some nervy moments, but, um, but I I thought, I thought maybe kind of played a little more leggy, uh, Brian over to you, bud. Yeah, I think you guys are on the right track. I, I, don't really think this was a um, you know luck or um, that we didn't deserve the win. You know they did have those couple late chances. Son had one really late that I'm shocked that he missed, and I believe Mora had one on a a terrific ball into the far post and he on his left foot and he tries to go back to the far post and puts it wide from about six yards out, kind of a sliding volley. Yeah, um, I, I thought he I thought that was in. It's like maybe eighty second, eighty third minute. I think the entire stadium thought that was in. You know, other than those couple of chances, we, we pretty much dominated the match. And I, that might be a bit of a cop out in a one nil, you know, but because um, they have e- easily could have equalized. But, you know, we hit the post in the first 90 seconds and had like three shots in a four second span. And, you know, they were lucky not to, to have us take the lead, you know, right in the beginning of the match. And all the possession we had, I mean, I was looking up some numbers just for the heck of it. We had seven shots and, and they only had four on target. Um, you know, we only had the. We had nine clearances. They had thirty-eight Jeez. clearances. Now I don't know what wow. is really, you know, determined as a clearance. I'd imagine it's something in your defensive third where you're, you know, getting the ball out of danger, maybe you know, to somebody or even aimless or anywhere in between. So I, I know they had a couple chances, and they would feel that they should have equalized. But I, I feel like we deserve three points because we dominated enough of the match, um, you know, both statistically and and you know just from watching it, I, we we were. In control most of the time, so I, I felt like I deserved three points. But I can see why a Spurs supporter might be, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, pissed off that didn't at least get a point out of it. So, Anthony and Pasadena, I'm talking to you. Too bad. <laughs> uh, so, I'm do gonna... they meet at the uh, Noodles and Company uh, out there in Pasadena? Too? <laughs> I can only hope so. That is, <laughs> I need to find out. That is. That is good. <laughs> Emily can tell me in the spring because plane tickets have been purchased. So. Oh well, good for her. All right, so uh, how do you yeah, guys exactly? How do you guys how do you guys feel how the match is over? Just kind of like okay, that's done. Let's go on to the next one. Or all right, I like this. I like this outcome. Maybe maybe relieved is is the feeling that I would describe. I, I kind of not that I'm sitting on the edge of my seat for every match now, but. You know, just the fact that we keep amassing the points is, you know, has me feeling that, okay, I need to actually reconsider the feelings that I normally feel about, you know, this dread of, you know, when, when are things all going to go wrong? And that just doesn't, doesn't, isn't happening. And so it's a weird place to be in, uh, being a a Liverpool supporter for, for uh, almost well, it's two decades now. Actually, it's over two decades now. Yes. So yeah. It's 20, 22 years. 
I'm at like 18. Like my fandom could have had a, a kid that's graduated high school. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's seriously, guys. It, it, it's such a weird feeling. It, it really is, and I don't I don't know if we can explain this uh, to anybody. Maybe maybe we'd feel differently if if we were able to be in Liverpool and able to physically go to the matches. But I, it, I at times I just kind of just don't know how to act. <laughs> you know, you always have this fear of impending doom that it, right. something's going to happen. You know, and I mean, we've amassed 19 point, excuse me, a 16 point lead with a game in hand, which you could say is 19 points if with the way that we've been playing. But um, you're still like, there's still that chance. (laughs) I just don't know what I just don't know what to expect. Brian, how are you feeling on it, man? Well, at the end of the Spurs game, I, I think we're all feeling the same way. And most Liverpool supporters worldwide were. We're thinking that, you know, a few were, were shouting from the mountaintops already that's over, and a few were, you know, <laughs> superstitious as hell, and they've worn the same clothes for the last four months. But it, it's, <laughs> I watched mine, but I wore the I, same well, shirt. What I saw this, or what I thought after the game was great, another three points. We didn't play our best, but we still got the three points, and this was one of the five or six toughest games that we have left, maybe fourth or fifth toughest game we have left. And there was another one right behind it, even though it was at home, it was against United. And that's always a tough game. So I was thrilled to get the three points. I was thrilled to play the way we did with all the possession that we did. It was good to see Bobby back on the score sheet. You know, this is that was our what sixth clean sheet in a row. You know, there's yes. un, this is yep. new territory all over the place. Whether it's you know the the start in a in a campaign in a top five league in Europe, or it's number of clean sheets, or it's you know, the lead that we have at this point and that we've never had before. I mean, all kinds of things happening that are crazy. And, you know, we're, we're not in Liverpool. We don't get to go to, to work and talk about this with 20 different colleagues. Or, you know, we get to talk amongst friends and you know, people at UJ's and we get to talk here on the pod. And But, you know, we're not we're, – we're living it kind of 24 hours a day, you know, thinking about it and, and, you know, all the time. But we don't necessarily get to – you know, just talk, talk about it constantly. So it, it's weird to think about. And I was thrilled to get another clean sheet, another three points on the road against a tough, tough team, regardless of how we got it. And it's kind of fun when we get three points. We're not playing great because when we do, we hammer teams like we did Leicester 4 0 and completely dominate. And we're also winning when we don't do that <laughs> yep. on the road against a tough opponent. And we do it 1 0. And I love it. Yeah. Let's move on to United. I, I don't want to worry. It's been long enough that I don't remember specific a lot of play and all that stuff. So let's just move on to United and start talking about that match. So Manchester, good. Manchester United sitting 27 points behind Liverpool and in fifth place in the league. Yes, with as shitty as they've been, they can still make Champions League next year. Brian, you were able to go to Unijack Pub in beautiful Broad Ripple, uh, where OLSC Indianapolis meets. Can you kind of give us an idea of what the atmosphere was like at Union Jack Pub in beautiful Broad Ripple? Well, I, I've I've been to every game this year, but just a handful there. You know, if I was traveling or you know up at an Notre Dame game or whatever. And this was the first game to me that felt like you know a Champions League semifinal or Champions League final from last year. It, it felt like the last game of the year last year when you know the league wasn't sealed yet. It felt like those games in the run-in in 2014. I mean, there was just a buzz in the air. There was just. I mean, it wasn't, hey, good morning, how you doing? It was 
handshakes and hugs and, and, you know, just beers flying and flights everywhere and, and jello shots being brought in and the staff and servers were <laughs> awesome. And, you know, they're just kind of sitting down hanging out with us for a few minutes before their shift started. I mean, it was completely packed. It was as big a crowd as I've seen probably since the Champions League final. And a full hour and a half, two hours before the game, the seats were taken up both in the upper deck and the lower deck. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking wow. about. But, you know, the, the main seating area, there's kind of two separate areas for those of you who do not watch this match at UJ's. A good hour and a half, two hours before the game, it's 95% Liverpool supporters. There's maybe four Manchester United supporters in the place. And I think there was only eight total it, it, even <laughs> during the match. I mean, it was – run them we off, weren't, Brian. We weren't like singing songs. We weren't like going crazy. But you could feel it was a big game. You could feel that, you know, people were watching the, for the lineup a little bit more than normal, and it, it, there was just a buzz in the air leading up after the game. It was really a lot of fun. I'm glad I was able to go, and and uh, you know, it's another reason if you're anywhere in Indiana to try to get to a game at Jack Pub and Broad Ripple. I mean, it's a, it's the place to watch a Liverpool match in the entire state. There's no doubt about it. Oh yeah. So Virgil scores in like the 14th minute. Um, what, what, what was it like there? It, it, you know, it wasn't as loud as the Champions League final, but it was, it, it felt like it was close. I mean, we came out absolutely firing and, and hitting on all cylinders and attacking and attacking and you know, got a corner kick and a good ball played in and Virgil just buries it. And, you know, we just, the place just explodes. So, you know, upper deck, lower deck, hug, hugging strangers. I mean, the whole thing. It was just <laughs> – we had said before the game as we're kind of cruising around talking to people and, you know, people are picking up their indie red scarves and people, other people we've never seen before are buying them. And, you know, it, it's just – we were all saying if we score early, we're going to, you know, we're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe by several. And we've had so many clean sheets lately. And, and, you know, then Virgil scores in what, you know, 14th, 15th minute, whatever it was, with a great header off a great corner kick and made McGuire look stupid again, which is always fun. The most expensive expensive defender in the world, Brian. Let's get it right. (laughs) Yes, he is. He is. He didn't didn't get nutmegged by Wijnaldum until the second half, so he made it through about 75 (laughs) minutes without looking too stupid. But he did not play that corner very well at all. And, you know, we we take this early lead, and it's 1-0, and – you know, we're, we're loving it. We're singing this song and we're ordering more beers. And it, I mean, it's just, it's exactly what you think it would be with a, an early goal to take the lead in a big, big match with a packed house. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, talk, just kind of staying on themes tonight, Jim, how do you, how did you feel about the play of the midfield? Uh, I, I think it was extremely well, I shouldn't even use that, that intensifier. It was critical. I mean, it was really critical to the match, particularly, I think, the way that Genie played in this match. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he, he, he's such an – I'll excuse um, knowledgeable Liverpool fans from this comment, but, he, but, but for many people, I think he's such an underappreciated player. Um, somebody who does a lot of cleanup, somebody who spurs the attack, somebody who really links up well with Bobby, I think, in many instances. Um, you know, I, I was I was almost heartbroken when when the goal that he scored was 
called offside because I really wanted him to uh, to get on on the score sheet in this match. But 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 regardless of that, um, you know, he was all over the place in this match, and uh, I, I think it, it it you know when when Fabinho went down, I mean, we were all talking about how worried we were and. What was the midfield going to do? How were they going to handle things? What were we going to look like without uh, Fabinho's disruptive presence? Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, we really haven't missed much of a beat at all. I mean, I chalked that up uh, largely to to Genie's play. Also, uh, of course, not taking anything away from from Hendo either, yeah. uh, because they, I think just they've both been massive. So I think uh, for for large stretches of the game, uh, to just to recap. Um, the midfield was was critical in in pushing us to where we needed to go. Uh, Henderson, man, I'm, I was hoping that one went in that hit the crossbar. He was so close, yeah, so yeah. close, and he and he has one coming. I mean, you just almost feel it. <laughs> maybe maybe with Fabino back, and he pushes more into that that more box to box attacking position. Then maybe maybe we'll see something there. But uh, but yeah, we'll see. I think you hit the nail on the head with play of the midfield, Brian. You you want to add anything at all? Wijnaldum was our best player in the first half. I mean, th- this guy is just like you said; he does it all. Not every game, but he does exactly what we ask him to do every game. Whether that's getting forward and creating, whether that's you know sitting back a little bit and, and breaking up play, whether that's linking between the back four and you know Firmino when he drops deep centrally, or maybe linking with the wide players, you know, playing balls wide, linking with Henderson. He does everything we ask him to do. I, I think, and I'll admit I'm incredibly biased, of course, and I think we all are, and everyone listening to this is. I, I think he might be the most underrated player in the Premier League, and I don't think that's a big stretch. And I don't think I'm talking from a extreme point of bias here. And he showed it in the first half of this game. He was everywhere and enormous and was just fantastic. He's so strong on the ball. You can't body him off the ball. His, his, just, he's terrific. And he was so, so good in that first half. I, I thought Henderson was good. I think some people were talking about how he was amazing. I thought he was a little bit, I don't know. I guess I didn't see his performance nearly as good as, as Genie's, but I, I could be wrong about that. What do you think? Joe, I mean, was Hendo right up there with Genie? Am I? I, I thought they played I could really be well. Nuts! I, thought I they saw played... people giving Genie or Henderson like nines and tens and shit on ratings. So, talk to me. Yeah, I thought he played really well, but I don't. But like, like you said, I think Ginny was was the player. I mean, he, gosh, he was everywhere. He really was everywhere. He's he's what we need. If we had had, if Ox had been able to do what Ginny was doing at the same time, it, it could have been a ridiculous scoreline. It really could have been a ridiculous scoreline, and uh, and I'm not saying Ox had a bad game. I thought he had a decent game, but Ginny was just that good. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. He he, they call him Ghost because sometimes you just don't know where he is. But he's back. He's dropping back, defending. To, like you said, just whatever Klopp needs him to. He goes in, listens to the coach. What do you need? And he and he does that for that match. Um, granted, he has off matches, but what player doesn't? Um, but yeah, I, I think he was def- definitely better than Hendo. I didn't see um, enough of of Henderson being um, nine worthy. I mean, maybe if he puts in that one, then maybe we're we're talking eight and a half, uh, getting up there. I could probably give him about seven and a half, eight on the match. Yeah, I think that's about right. That was a hell of a shot and a good save by the hey, really to put that onto the post. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was. For so, Pendo shot, it really was, yeah. So speaking of, uh, of missed <laughs> chances, two goals called out for VAR. So I've been listening, I've been listening a little bit and, and, uh, I want, first of all, I want to talk about the, the interference with, uh, with De Gea or the foul on De Gea, uh, call. I'm, I'll just, I'll just say there was contact, uh, whatever. <laughs> we, <laughs> there, there was contact, whatever. Contact with the official keeper. law of the game? There was contact. There was contact, whatever. There was contact. I'm not as upset about the fact that I think De Gea initiated the contact um, as you opposed to did? Van Dyke. I don't know. It's gray enough. I don't think ball, it was Joe. he was going for the ball, but but Van Dyke straightens his body out and doesn't go to make the contact. He doesn't look he looks back once at De Gea, knows he's gonna be coming, so that's how he changes his body, but he's that's trying to fine. play the ball. Yeah, that's not a foul. So, is the guy coming? Am I is this gonna be contested or not? Yeah. So well, I now mean, he knows that, right? But yeah. but I mean I just don't think it was clear and obvious, but I'm I'm okay with it. Because we won the game. Now, if we had drawn or lost, I'd be pissed. You, I'd be the first one out there calling for VAR to be out the door. Um, because first of all, it was Manchester United. Second of all, it it, it real it was kind of gray. I mean, when you have when you have Gary Neville calling it soft and Roy Keane saying that it shouldn't have been a foul at all, and and that's <laughs> for well, Manchester know Roy United. Going to say that? Oh, oh man, did you, did you see that Roy Keane Kara exchange last night? I, I did not. Oh, you no. need to look it up. It's wild. About giving <laughs> Solskjaer more time and yeah. Frank Lampard's being given the benefit of the only because he's English and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Kind of stuff like that. It was kind of funny. Uh, but, it was. But, but we'll, we'll get back to that. <clears throat> anyway, um, yeah. I, I, the, I think that they, I think he could have said, I played advantage on it because De Gea fouled Van Dyke. But conclusive, I I don't know. I don't think there was indisputable evidence. Maybe that's American football that they say that in. But I I just I don't think there was enough to overturn the call. Um, and if there was, it was soft and it shouldn't have been given. And it really took away a great shot from Bobby, and that kind of pissed me off too. You know, I, just just to I mean I I can I can see that all is a reasonable argument, uh, but. Uh, you know, two factors. One, it's the goalkeeper. So the goalkeeper in that situation is going to be more yeah. likely to get the call than it is yeah, if, if we're that. a field player. Um, uh, but secondly, I think if you watch the play from the perspective of the goal, so they, the, when they were looking at VIR, you're looking at it from uh, the side, like from the stands. Um, but the, the, there's one angle that's from behind the goal. And when you watch that replay, the contact looks more forceful than it does from the side view. So, I mean, that that's the other perspective. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't say I disagree with you. My heart, my heart agrees with you, Joe, uh, but my heart has shit for brains. So, um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, when I saw the play, I was like, okay, yeah, fine. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I, I wasn't too hacked off about it. What I was upset about was like, Every like six United players were screaming and cursing at the ref, and De Gea gets a yellow card, but nobody else does. I mean, especially uh, uh, Harry Maguire was in his face, and fuck you, this and all that stuff. And I, I was surprised that Harry Maguire didn't get a yellow card too. They're appealing uh, it, by the way. They're appealing. What's that? They're appealing uh, De Gea's yellow card. Oh, they are. 
Yeah, apparently, yeah. Well, that, that's that's whatever. what I heard. They lost. Who cares? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's no way that yellow card should go away. No, it should. He he made contact with an official, and that's what he got the yellow card for. But I, well, I, don't, I don't know if he made contact with him. But he's uh, definitely wagging his finger in his face really close. Yeah, and, they, and well, really they were, screaming and yelling twice as loud as anybody else. No, I, there I were agree. Like five or six United players bumping up against yeah. Craig Pawson and getting in his face. And I, I, you know, if I were the ref, well, maybe I'm just a, a hard ass jerk, but I'm not going to take any of that crap. Yeah, yellow sure. card for you. Yellow card for you. No soup for you. You know. Yeah, you, you can't give out four yellow cards I there. I, I think I'm, you give I'm, out. The, I'm being ridiculous. I, I know you know that, but I, I, giving out more than one is feasible. I, I think two is probably the max, but it's also reasonable to give out one yellow card to the player that was the most egregious or had yeah. the most um, obvious dissent, or maybe language was used by you know one guy more than others or whatever it was. You know, but no, g- give it to De Gea, but also give it to the captain. I mean, for for not controlling his players. I mean, that's well, that's, you can't yellow card a captain just because your play, one of the other players did something stupid. Unless you're sorry, for for, for if, if in a situation like that, yes, because you, it Maybe. should be understood that the, that the captain is the only one that should be going up to an official and bitching let, to that extent. I mean, look at it. That's, you don't see that you don't see that, from you don't see that from Liverpool. Jordan Henderson's up there chewing here a lot, but it's Jordan Henderson or it's James Milner. When he's captain. Yeah. But, well, so that's my take. Right. But anyway, Brian, right. tell, tell us where we're wrong on the whole uh, De Gea, uh, Virgil <laughs> van Dijk foul. <laughs> well, it, it, at first I was it, – all it, UJs were all surprised that, that the foul was not given. And, you know, I hear yeah. people saying he didn't call it or, you know, fuck yeah, play on or, you know, you know go to hell De Gea, you know, whatever. And Bobby hasn't even shot yet. And, you know, Monty hasn't even played in the ball yet. Hasn't even wanted it, gone in and won the tackle off of. I think it was uh, off of McGuire. He won it off of. But to Jim's point, if you watch the angle behind the goal, and there's another angle from, from that kind of um, I'm going to call it a drone, and that's not the right word. It's the camera that's mounted on the cables that that kind of runs, you yeah. know, the length of the pitch. The overhead so it's kinda, camera. Yeah, the overhead camera. It's kind of hanging, maybe um, you know, however many feet in the air, right at the the top of the attacking third. That angle and the angle that Jim talked about, it's a clear foul, in my opinion. And I know some people might say it's not, or you know, Gary Neville's initial reaction when he just dropped it, I think was looking at a bad angle, and that was done. You know, I watched the commentary back. That was done in the first, you know, ten seconds after it happened. After, yeah, you know, Martin Tyler stopped cussing about Liverpool scoring again <laughs> on the Sky broadcast. But I think if you look back and watch the other angles, it's clearly a foul. And and, and even if, if here's what it is, if that happened at our end, we'd be pissed. Yes, if, we would. If that was given as we a goal, because would. you know Virgil goes up to try to win this header, and he goes up straight. He doesn't go up with his elbow flying in the air. He doesn't go up with a, a leg sticking out or anything crazy. But he gets more of De Gea than Virgil gets of the ball. If Virgil got any of the ball anyway, I don't think he even did. So for that to stand, I think the the attacking player has to get some ball. And I don't know that Virgil got any, and he certainly got enough of the hay, obviously, for it to be a foul. So I, I don't really have a, a problem with that being overturned. I even said it at UJ's while they were, if it was VR was still happening like that, that's going to be called a foul. And it's oh, not, yeah. a, you know, I, not some genius by saying that, but it, you know, it turns out I was right. But the thing about the yellow card that's being, I, I did not hear that they were, that they were, um, whatever you call it, trying to have that rescinded or appealed rather. 
it, you know, the FA's answer needs to be that not every player that was arguing got a yellow card. It was just the one guy that crossed the line. So, but they won't because that, it's Manchester it. United. That's exactly. That's, that's, I bet you they will. That's exactly what they'll do. What? So you know, he he could have argued exactly like the other five guys were who didn't get yellow cards, and you'd be fine. But instead, this player went over the line by doing X, Y, or Z, so the call stands. Yeah, we'll see. If VAR was going to look at it, and you know he had a chance to argue in a different way, he chose to cross the line. The yellow card stands. That's exactly what should happen. I hope I'm right, but you might be right. I'm cynical. I'm cynical because we've seen how many times we've seen the refs give give stuff to Manchester United that nobody else gets, and it's just me. <laughs> well, I know the, their the uh, kit doesn't the give them a rules. decent looking away kit. I know that. God, that looks like shit, so. didn't it? Man, it looked like baby pretty, shit. Uh, literally. It's, it's it was like bad. they yeah, mixed a, a, a turd with salmon, and that was the kit color. It's kind of a weird salmon base, but sometimes it looks yeah. yellow, like you've had too much to drink. Piss yellow. Ugh. It's just <laughs> coffee piss. It's, it's it's weird. It's you know this is the age of of neon away kits and Manchester City's tequila sunrise <laughs> kit and all kinds of crazy stuff. And Manchester United trots out this crappy looking terrible thing. I, I think it's hilarious, but oh, uh, it's horrendous. It, yeah, it's pretty bad. It, it, at least they're not the same color shorts and. Because they have the terrible color socks. Imagine if that was just all one color. That'd be awesome, oh, yeah. awesomely bad. I feel, I feel, I can't believe Adidas put that out. In all honesty, I don't know. Well, anybody that's listening, have you ever seen one of those in person? You know, snap a picture and send it to us on Facebook or Twitter. Because I, I don't know if anybody's ever bought one other than the club <laughs> to buy them for their players. <laughs> all right. So, so Jenny, uh, Jenny has a great play, great goal called off sides. Um, I, I watching it. I missed the player on the backside, I, and he's off by a country mile. And then you, and then I see them draw the VAR line, and I'm like, "Ooh, that's close." Now, granted, they they, they went pretty quick, and and still said he was offside. Uh, looking back on that, do you think that maybe we should have had a better look at that and see if his his armpit was actually onside? Oh God! <laughs> Can we stop talking about armpits? We've only talked about it five thousand times. Fine. How about shoulders? No, I get what you're saying, Jim. And yeah, I'm it's top of the, the shoulder. There was some VR talk at UJ's though about this specific play. Okay, so what by do you the think? ladies, by the ladies that were there watching with with all the indie reds, and we have some terrific you know ladies to watch with us. So, so what was the take then, Brian? <laughs> the well, there, you know, Jeannie's a um, Jeannie's a good looking dude. We'll say that, <laughs> and if you know, I'm a, I'm a guy comfortable in in, in saying that because he is. He's a better looking dude than I am. That's for damn sure. Um, the comment was made that maybe Jeannie's terrific ass was offside, and if you draw the line, <laughs> draw the line on the screen. I think that might have been the case, and. And a, a couple of <laughs> couple of females were there at UJ's for saying that, and, <coughs> and uh, I found it to be just charming and fantastic, and I loved it. Oh man! Well, see, if it had been Raheem Sterling, he definitely would have been offside. He's got big butt, I'm small. Okay, uh, moving on. So, <laughs> Jim, uh, you concerned? Missed quite a few chances. Mo has one. He kind of he wrong foots it, gets tangled up in his feet. It was a it was a sitter. Um, Kara's disappointed up in the box. <laughs> Watch that replay today uh, of, of uh, 
of the box with Martin Tyler and Gary Neville and Kara. Um, what, what, what do you think, man? Is there any need for concern or, you know, it just, it is what it is. No, I don't think there's any frequency. So I Mane missed uh, missed one too. I can't. I think Genie played him in, or maybe Genie played the ball in. It was reflect uh, deflected off a defender. I think this was in the first half, and uh, Mane should have first timed the ball and and you know kind of bobbled off his shin after he tried to control it. So yeah, we had chances that we 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 could have converted but didn't. You know, the score could have been. I think I I texted you that I. You know, it could have been four or five nil at the end of the day, but yeah. um, I, I don't. I don't see the sense in rehashing that now because uh, I, I just don't think that uh, lack of good finishing is a chronic problem for the team. So, um, if we're winning and uh, we're still scoring goals when we need to score goals at the end of the day, that's all that matters, in my opinion. Brian, are you concerned at all with uh, with some missed sitters? Salah should have put that away yeah. when you're talking yeah, about it. True. He absolutely should have. But, you know, nobody scores every single chance they have, whether it's a half chance or a sitter or somewhere in between. You know, if that's the case, then, you know, Spurs would have had a couple and United would have had, you know, one or two because they had a couple of decent chances, especially in the second half when they were better. So I'm not concerned about it. Mo's a guy that can – you know, miss a couple of those and then score in three or four consecutive games. Yeah. Now, Bobby was hot for the last month or so. Mane hasn't been. Um, no. But, you know, I think Mane's chances this game were a little bit tougher. The one that Joe or that uh, Jim just mentioned was was really one I thought he was going to hit first time, and, and he, for whatever reason, just kind of chose not to. And I, I, th- I think he's obviously wishing he you know had just taken it first time. But the one that Salah kind of – I mean, he goes off his left heel, his right ankle, and off his left foot again, and then trickles wide at about four miles an hour while De Gea stands there looking at it. Yeah, I mean, looking back, I would love if that would have just trickled in over the line off the post or something. That would have been, you know, we'd have been laughing our asses off and ordering more beers. But uh, yeah, I'm not that worried about it. I, you know, we've got two matches coming up here in the next handful of days that we're going to talk about later, and and it's Mosal. I'm not worried about it. So. No, Origi does that four or five games in a row. I'm worried about it, but not Mo. All right, Brian. Brian, talk to me about Mo Salah's goal. Just, I mean, just crazy. I mean, I don't think there's been an assist by a goalkeeper in the league for a long, long time. So let let's let's start there and maybe work towards the goal. But you know, United's kind of really kind of building up and having some chances, a lot of possession. We're kind of trying to hang on there. We're in stoppage time now. We're not clearing and, the you know, ball very well. Sorry, we're not clearing the ball very well. No, we're not. We're we're not. We're it's a little bit, um, you know, aimless at times, and and we're mishitting a couple of them, and we're not winning those second balls, and you know, we'd already made our substitutions, and so, you know, Bobby's not out there to clean up the messes that he usually does so well, and <laughs> true, you know, Fabinho's out there and sitting deep, but you know, United kind of plays the ball over the top, and I think it was Mata that was offsides by like 10 yards, wasn't he? Yeah. And he kind of goes yeah. and plays the ball and gets a, a piece of it, and I'm going to side, or just kind of sidebar this for a second. All these United supporters are going crazy about how that should be offsides and it should be an indirect free kick from there, and the referee puts his arm in the air and calls for an indirect free kick are absolute fucking morons. He doesn't. He doesn't. Well, he puts his... He puts his hand up in the air. I've got a picture of it, and I'll, I'll post it on the Facebook page you're going to mention 
or in the show notes, the referee puts his arm up and he puts a thumbs up because the referee, or I'm sorry, the linesman flags for offsides like he's supposed to. And the, the referee immediately puts his thumbs up and the, and the linesman, you know, they quickly cut to the linesman with his flag up and his flag's already down and his thumb is up as well. And the referee, I'm guaranteeing the referee says play on and there's no whistle. Yeah, there's no whistle. That's, and that's I guess what they I can't think. guarantee they, that he said play us, on, but I believe that he did, and there's no whistle, right? They tell us they're supposed to play to the whistle. It's exactly. the same thing in American just football. Like there's no whistle. All, Keep playing. All match. Just Keep like playing. both teams did all match all year. So the United supporters are saying that needs to be an indirect free kick, and Allison cannot or should not be allowed to punt the ball out like he did to Asala or just really stupid. And then the other United supporters that believe that Salah should be offside because he was closer to the goal than United defenders. Or well, the ball was played. He was in, Salah's in his old, own half by yeah. 20 fucking yards. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, I don't believe it. And this is maybe the earliest ever non-plug in the history of the podcast, but learn the fucking offside rules, you dumbasses. I mean, it's, it's just, so Allison catches this ball, play on happens. Salah's hanging out in the center circle. You know, Owen does this all the time in, in some games, and it's a good thing for a striker to do if you see a back line that, that's way too far up the field. Mm-hmm. I don't blame United for doing that because they're trying to get an equalizer, and it's stoppage time. But Salah's hanging out in the center circle. Allison makes his catch and immediately plays this beautiful ball. And, and I'll let Jim take it there because I've been going on and on and on. But <laughs> Allison plays, plays this great ball, Jim, and, and it's all Mo at that point. It is. It's off to the races. And I, I don't remember who was who was on him as a defender, but uh oh, was that James. fast dude. Sorry to jump da- in on you. David James. Um, he was fast. What the hell was his name? James, I think. Yeah, David James. Okay. Yeah. I, he's faster than hell. I was surprised. Yes. So James Mo is, is, David James. Yeah. So uh Mo holds him off and just coolly slots it in and rips the shirt off, shows us his uh his Adonis-like uh, six-pack, and Allison sprints the length of the pitch, does his knee slide, and uh, there they are hugging in front of the cop. It was great. It was fabulous. He throws his undershirt out to the crowd, too. He's like, I'm not putting this back on. <laughs> Game, <laughs> game's almost over. No, but it was great. It was great to see. Great for Mo to, to score against United because there's been all that talk all week about how about how Mo has never scored against Manchester United. Um, that goes back to the Chelsea days, too. Um, is is this a bad luck team or whatever? Uh, Mo kind of feeds off of that in the press and says, yeah, they draw. we drew last time. That's because I was injured. <laughs> Which actually comes <laughs> up go, in the I post-match like interview. Uh, they, they brought it up. And he's like, oh, I was just, I was just being funny. Or <laughs> something like that. But yeah, <laughs> it was fun. Um, t- man. So that kind of leads me to the next part. And we're talking about these mentality monsters. And that's what we keep hearing about from Liverpool or, or about Liverpool. And I just want to talk about a couple of the post-match interviews. Um, that's So I, 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 I've been very critical of NBC uh, this season about how we don't get full match replays unless we pay for gold. Um, but one of the things that they do is do extended highlights. And then that, those usually include um, discussion from the their in-house panel. But also it has the post-match interviews. So uh, just kind of summarizing some of the stuff that I heard in those that I want to attribute to the mentality monsters. So Klopp is saying post-match uh, how he was happy with with about 89 to 90% of the match. Um, he's not fully happy, and we need to keep improving. 
The team that is 16 points clear of second place at the table needs to keep improving. Um, he's also saying that he's not smart enough and there's not enough space in his brain to think of anything but Wolves on Thursday. Love it. All right, so Henderson and Salah are also uh, they're down on the pitch getting um, on-field interview from Sky Sports. Um, and But the only thing you keep hearing them say about is they're kind of deflecting and they're saying, you know, we got to focus on the next game. Next game's Wolverhampton. We're going to focus on them. We'll we'll have a recovery day. We're going to get right on this. Yep, you know, this match is done. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about it, And but we got to focus on Wolves. And that's something that you wouldn't hear from most people, um, especially to that extent. Also, one of the things that, uh, that um, for me, Hendo – I mean, he's deflecting, and, and, and well, heck, I guess Salah was too, deflecting def- uh, all this kind of personal acclaim um, from the match or things that have gone on this season, and they just keep focusing. I know I've said it a hundred times already, but they keep focusing on the next game. And Hendo's saying that he was frustrated at times and that we need to improve. Again, <laughs> this is the team that's in first place in the league, 16 points clear, needs to improve. This is fabulous. As a fan, this is the stuff that I love. I love it almost as much. Well, I love it more than uh, than Stephen Gerrard huddling everybody up together saying we go again. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, they keep calling us mentality monster, monsters, and we are truly winning the mental game. So, guys, how do you feel about this? This kind of attitude. Um how do you think it reflects? Do you, does this make you happy? Are you like, yeah, whatever. It's just talk. They're not really thinking that way. Uh, what do you guys think? Go ahead, Jim. Um, this is precisely what I want to see a team that I love do. Um, I, I, I was, uh, so, um, I have a, uh, a friend who is, um, uh, uh, professor out in, uh, in New York. He, he's, uh, teaches at Syracuse and he is, uh, he's originally from Scotland and he's been a Liverpool fan for probably at least three decades, if not more. Um, you know, since the, since the, uh, uh, the, uh, glory days of the, of the eighties. And, um, yeah. and, you know, one of the things that he and I have been talking about are just how hard this team works. I don't think I've ever seen a team so focused on a goal. Uh, and I, I'm not talking about scoring a goal. I'm talking about achieving uh, the league title. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's as if they, they took that one-point difference from last season and said, look, there is nothing, absolutely nothing that's going to get in our way uh, of grabbing that trophy uh, as soon as we can. Um, so, you know, I, I think if you look uh, from, from uh, the starting 11 through the bench and you look at the players that we have, I, I don't know that you can say we have the, the absolutely most talented 23 from top to bottom. You know, there, there's an argument for it, but you know, I think if you if you compare to City, for example, I mean, just purely in terms of talent uh, and what City has in their disposal when everybody's healthy, 
Um, they, they probably have uh, a more talented uh, top 23 than we do. Um, but I don't think that they have um, the, the guts and uh, the focus that our players do. Um, and it, it just it, it makes me proud to be a Liverpool fan because of that just mental strength that we have. Brian, this team gives the appearance that they're not just playing for themselves. They're playing for the the name on the front of the jersey, but they're also playing for their team. Um, do you kind of get that, that sense as well? They're playing for their teammates. Um, That's kind of what I meant. What, do you kind of get that feeling as well, or or how do you feel about that? Uh, I completely agree. I mean, they are – they're quick to praise each other as opposed to, you know, trying to take, you know, accolades and, and doing silly stuff like, you know, Erickson's doing and, and being, you know, dismissive and all that kind of stuff. It, 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 and not only are they playing for each other, I, I think that they are connected with supporters, especially those that are going to Manfield every single week and then following them on, you know, away matches and, and, distant matches in Europe. I mean, th- this club is as connected to a group of supporters as any I've ever seen. And, and I don't think there's any bias in that. You, you, you don't get empty seats. You, you get full away sections, even in Europe. You get full sections for FA Cup match for the kids to play, <laughs> and they stayed the entire game and applauded the kids off the field. You know, there's a great um, – I don't even remember what podcast it was. It was either Anfield Rap or, or Redman, and, and, you know, those are probably two of the best out there. They interviewed the um, – it might have even been Blood Red, sorry. They, they interviewed the the manager. I can't remember the guy that was managing that team, to be honest now. Forgive me. Um, was talking about how incredible it was that those all those supporters stayed for that match, and they lost to Villa in the couple. Was it 5-0 when the rest of the yeah. guys were over in Cutter? Yeah. And, and – they stayed and applauded them off the pitch, you know, those kids and how important that was. There's a special thing going on here between this manager and this group of players that it's built up to this point, and they've made so many great decisions with with transfers and training and tactics and, you know, maybe a little bit of luck here and there when another team misses a sitter. But, you know, we're also creating more chances than anybody else. We have the fewest fouls come in in the Premier League, so we're a, a clean team, and the supporters – worldwide are, are fantastic and there's just so many things happening at the same time that are just incredible and that's why you have the greatest start in the first 22 games of any team in a top flight in the history of european football that is not something to dismiss as a one-off or something that can be replicated i mean we're talking thousands of teams you know, different players and, and different managers and hundreds and hundreds of seasons in the top, the top, uh, you know, handful of leagues in Europe. And no one's ever done this over the first 22 games. No Barca team, no Real Madrid team, you know, no United team, no Bayern Munich team has ever done this over the first 22 games. And we're watching it. And I'm just, I'm just thrilled to even think about it. I've, uh, you know, we were talking about colleagues. I have a colleague at work in the legal department who's from Swansea, 
and I, you know, we talk pretty much every Monday about the Premier League, and he's hoping this, you know, Swansea comes back up. He's been saying for a month and a half, "You're going to win the league. You're going to win the league." And and I've been doing the kind of the clop thing. Uh-huh, yeah. You know, well, we'll we'll see. You know, there's a long way to go, and that kind of stuff. And you know, fuck that. I'm singing the song tomorrow. <laughs> there, you go. there you go, Brian. So uh, we'll get there in one second. But I want to do one thing. I want I want to I want to go to you, Jim, first. Uh, man, who was your man of the match? And feel free to shout out anybody else that you think had a had a really spectacular match. This, I mean, you know, I've been thinking about this. It's just a for me, it's a really tough call because I thought uh, uh, across the board. I mean, we were just impressive. I, and if you had to put press me, I would say uh, maybe Virgil. But uh, I think you could make an argument for for several other players. What do you guys think? We already talked about Jenny, but he, uh, I'm going to jump in. Brian Jenny's going to get mine. Um, I, yeah. I think he was fantastic yeah. the whole match. It, I really kind of want to give it to Salah, but I mean, he misses that sitter. He scores that great goal. Um, I don't think Allison was. Allison also is on my honorable mention list, but I don't think he. Uh, I don't think he was active. <laughs> he was forced to be active enough. Uh, but what a heads up play! I mean, heads up play to find most streaking. I mean, that was just freaking awesome. Most streaking. I like it. Well, <laughs> it wasn't really streaking until after he scored. He took his shirt off. But, you know, hey. D- different streaking. That's streaking interesting. Down the Sorry, go ahead. No, streaking down the sideline. I mean, come on. It's a little different. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's interesting you brought up Allison. I, I you know, watched a bit of the, the Spurs match today. Um, you know, knowing we're going to talk about it tonight, and I haven't watched it since. I didn't ever really didn't watch it back, and um, other than watching it when I, you know, got home last weekend. But Allison's been really, really good in this stretch of clean sheets. What what he's doing is he's making, you know, tough saves look easy, or, or maybe tough saves look average, and he hasn't really had to make anything spectacular in a long time. But another thing he does is he doesn't give up any rebounds. He, he's catching things and holding on to them, even if they're, you know, just kind of run of the mill saves or maybe slightly tough saves. He's catching everything. There's like no rebounds. And when he does, um, you know, isn't able to, to, to catch the ball and hang on to it, he, he's putting the ball out for a corner or yeah. out wide. He's not giving up anything back in the middle that can get tapped in or he, he's just so good. It's ridiculous. I, I don't, that's an I don't, area don't have him in my main of the, sorry, go ahead. That's an area he's approved his game because it wasn't that way last year. And that was one of my. Really, I think he was always good at that. I don't remember him doing a whole lot of it last year. When when we uh, signed him, I was. You might be right. Maybe he's been working on it. I I was nervous about it when we signed him. Really, I I remember watching highlight reels, and yeah, he makes a save, but it looks like he puts it right back into play. Yeah, quite a few times. No, that's when he was dealing with Roma's defense in front of him in Roma's (laughs) midfield. So, (laughs) what was the stat? I'm going to get the numbers wrong. I've been talking about a couple stats tonight, but I think he's given up something like. 18 goals in Anfield since he arrived, or he's only given up 18 goals in games played in Anfield and five of them when he was playing for, for Roma against us or something like that. Something ridiculous, which which was kind of cleverly done by whoever looked that up. So, But he, he's not, not in my man of the match <laughs> conversation, although he was you know solid uh, against United. It, for me, it comes down to Virgil and, and Genie. You know, it, it's hard not to have Virgil in the conversation. He defended well all game, tons of clearances, was dangerous on set pieces, obviously got the goal. I don't think he got beat all game. He had a couple of good tackles, a block shot or two, you know, a couple of headed 
clearances. So it's, for me, it's either him or Genie. Uh, I'm going to give it to Genie because I think that Hendo's performance was a little bit overrated, although he was very good. And I think Ox was was a little bit subpar. That's why he was subbed off. And I think that's why he was. So Genie, he, he knew yeah, it. Genie did everything everywhere. So I'm giving it to Genie. Uh, yeah, I think Ox was mad when he got taken off because he didn't like the, his was. performance on the day. Um, yeah, there, there's video of him slamming stuff around, and, and he was mad at his performance, I think. That's why I'm taking it. Yeah. Um, and then, and, that, and, that, and you know I what? That's it. all right. That's good. That. He'll be ready to go for Thursday against the Wolves. He definitely will. All right. So uh, we, we've been reluctant to say it, but, guys, we're going to win the league. <laughs> we heard it ringing out around Anfield, and now we're going to say it. I've been waiting for January to say it. Uh, January to be over. I thought this is probably our toughest stretch uh, coming out of a packed December and playing Manchester United Spurs uh, away at Wolves. Um, was kind of going to be a very tough stretch for us. But, I mean, they were singing at Anfield, so I'm ready to sing it now, too. Yep. We're gonna now, let me ask you about that. Because you guys, I watched at UJs, and you guys watched, presumably, at, you know, at home or on some type of replay or whatever. And after Salah scores, and, you know, he's getting his yellow card for his, having his shirt taken off, the cop just breaks out and just absolutely starts belting it. You guys, that's when you guys saw that, right? Is that right? Yes. Yep. yes. Yep. So at UJs, we're all still going berserk and, and jumping up and down and, and – you know, hugging each other and, and cheering and yelling. We did not hear the commentary. We did not hear them singing it. I had no idea that, that the cop was singing that until I got home from UJ's about an hour after the game was over. Immediately went back and was watching highlights with, you know, earbuds in my ears, way too damn loud. And that's <laughs> when I realized that they started singing it. And I'll never forget that moment. Nobody else was home. It was just me. I'll never forget hearing that. And I had no idea that they had sung it because at UJ's we couldn't hear that oh wow <laughs> that I, I mean everybody that was at UJ's did not know they were singing that so I, I don't know if anybody else had a similar experience to me I did not know this song until I got home and it was like it was almost like a jaw-dropping moment I, I knew it was coming at some point that they were going to sing it but it felt so spontaneous and so definitive and so perfect after a late late goal against United to just let it go and just Everybody starts singing it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. So this is going to happen, but you know exactly when is the question. Is yep. this going to happen, right, Joe? So, yeah, I mean, it's not – I have it right here. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Uh, it really is. Uh, so I ran a little bit oh, of the math, everybody. <laughs> I, I I took I took a, a short lunch break today and then sat down with Excel and ran some math. So um, let's just Ooh, exactly. let, let's let's make wrong. let's make some assumptions. Well, I, I kind of understand formulas. All right. So um, <laughs> if we and City both win all of our matches, uh, Liverpool would win the league uh, at Manchester City. Granted, that would be the first match that that that. Either team would lose. Um, it would be at Manchester City at the Etihad um, in front of maybe about five thousand people, um, all from Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> five thousand people. Um, so let's talk about this. If those, if you're playing along at home and you're trying to make some plans, that the first option here is right now. It's Saturday, April fourth. Now they may move right. some things around. It might be a Sunday. You know, you never know. They they might adjust some things for TV. But we play City as of right now, Saturday, April fourth. So that's one possibility. Okay, um, that's if nobody loses between now and then, right? Yep. Um, if we okay. win everything, and let's just say City gets a draw at Spurs, um, that's in two weeks, I think. Um, then it is a it, still we can win the league with a draw at Manchester City. 
Um, if Liverpool win all their matches, and let's just say that City draw Spurs and Leicester, their February looks shitty, by the way. <laughs> um, uh-huh. uh, then we win the we can win it at home against Crystal Palace. I like that. Oh, that would I'm be, voting for that one so far. I would love that. Not only because it's at home, be, but it would erase the shitty memories of that three three draw uh, at Palace in 2014. I you know I had not thought of that angle. I just want I really want them to win it at home. You know, with a win or, or yeah. you know a result at home. That's what I really want. But I had not thought about uh, you know erasing the ghosts of. Palace pass. That's a good point. If City lose in the next month, um, but win the rest, we're still looking uh, at at home against Palace. And then if multiple losses put it up to clinch at Everton in mid March, <laughs> that is said that is March fourteenth, which is a, a Saturday. Yeah. That, that might move to Sunday the fifteenth. Uh, the Palace game is set for the twenty first of March, which is also a Saturday right now. Again, it might move to a Sunday, but. Yeah, what do you think about winning this at Goodison? Uh, no, I'd rather win it at home. Um, Me too. Me I'd too. rather yeah, win it at same. home. But the moral of the story is, guys, for Liverpool, just win, baby. Let City be City. They have, they actually kind of have a tougher rest of January and February. They've got two cup matches. Um, they have to play Sheffield. I I forgot to see. No, at, they have to play at Sheffield. Um, they're playing Spurs and Leicester in the league uh, in that time frame. And they have one of their Real Madrid matches. Um, listening to Grant Wall today, Real Madrid's actually playing a lot better uh, than they had this season and might still creep in and win La Liga. So, um, yeah, they, they, they've got a tough January, February. Ours isn't really a slouch, but we've get, we're have we not playing any top six teams Getting the rest of this month. Um, I Actually, I don't think we play another top six team until we play City. Well, we play um, at Wolves, well, I mean, at, West, at West Ham. West Ham's not top six. Twice. Right, then we play at home against Southampton. Then we play at Norwich. Then we play at home against West Ham, at Watford, at home against Bournemouth, and then the Everton match that we just mentioned. So, yeah, not a whole lot of uh, unbelievable opponents between now and then Everton Palace City that we mentioned there on the – 14th, 21st, and 4th of April. Is that a oh, We oh, oh, do have uh, break, the two leg tie against uh, Atletico Madrid uh, yes. in that time span, too. That's so correct. That will not be easy. And we have FA Cup, but I have a feeling that we're going to play the youth against Shrewsbury. I would guess that that's correct. <laughs> I, you know, what about just playing the youth the whole damn way and see if they can go yeah. with the damn thing? Hey, that would be we're hilarious. Just, we're just the team of youth trying to win the FA Cup again. We- <laughs> 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 oh, man. How awesome would that we're be? We're going to win the FA. We're going to win. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> We're gonna win the FA with our reserve team. With our reserve none of team, our Harvey can, none scorer. of our players can shave. None of our players can shave. We're gonna win the FA Cup. Hey, you know, Joe, you talk about being the biggest jinx ever. But I'm gonna call out my good friend Bobak Lafalian right now. He jinxed the hell out of us. All right. I, I watched so. the days with him and with his brother Ali and with Mister and Mrs. Lafalian, who I haven't seen since since the uh, the Liverpool game up in South Bend. So it's always good to see them. So Bobak says after the game, 
wouldn't it be terrible? I mean, and I'm paraphrasing here. Sorry, Bobak, but wouldn't it be awful if we win the league when we're not even playing because somebody else drew or lost and it was like a little bit anticlimactic? <laughs> so, <laughs> and that is certainly possible. You know, we get a result and, and, you know, City or Leicester, whoever it is in second, you know, play after us or the following weekend they play before us and they don't get a result and we win the league while we're not even on the pitch. <laughs> so, well, back biggest chinks of all time. And if it happens, I'll, I'll hug you anyway. But damn, that was a downer. No, I want I want to win it. At, I want it to be one at Anfield in front of those people that have been with this team the past 30 years that, that haven't seen us lift, lift it. And I want to see every single one of them bawling their eyes out, tears of happiness. And I want to get a guard of honor everywhere I can, especially with as salty as all these opposition fans have been this year and how they're creating hashtags with tainted title and all that bullshit. That, that's just annoying me. I'm not getting upset, really, because seriously, I don't believe it. Um, live our pool, all that kind of shit is just, it's just annoying. And, it, I mean, it might have started out as a joke, but, I mean, let's talk about this weekend. It, it we we sure it sure didn't help us this weekend, you know. Ooh. Yeah, could have been four nothing without it. Exactly, should have been four nothing. No, <laughs> not going there. All right, <laughs> twelve nothing. So uh, so yeah, just win, baby. I forget who who coined that phrase. Uh, but anyway, just just win, baby. Might just win, baby. Jones. Wasn't it a Nike thing? No. Hey, just like our shirts next year. <laughs> All right, so let's let's. No, let's... Nike was just do it. Sorry about that. That's Let correct. Right. Let's chat a little bit about the transfer window. So Klopp's saying that we're not going to be active, buying or selling. I'm going to hold him to it. Uh, however, rumors still persist that Shakiri is being pursued by Roma. Uh, those were fueled even more on the weekend when Shakiri didn't make the bench, but I think he was sick um, is what they said. Uh, but also last week there's been discussion that Havertz from uh, Bayern Leverkusen uh, could really uh, is really interested in joining Liverpool. Um, and then today, Monday, Timo Werner uh, wants to join Liverpool this summer, and it comes from Build. And fo- if you're following along on your transfer speculation hierarchy of <laughs> of accuracy, Build's a, a level two. Uh, that's on with James Pierce, Mel Reddy, um, others in that ilk. So uh, who knows? Yeah, Bill does no Daily Mirror or some no. Twitter guy. You're right. It, that's legit. Yeah. So, so did you get a picture of Timo Werner and get some private time at the house for about 10 minutes or so? Or? <laughs> no, because Brian already stole my thunder. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous about that. <laughs> I'm a little nervous about that rumored hearing uh, concern about it getting too loud and him uh, getting disoriented. So I don't know. <laughs> See, I, I'm imagining the doors locked and your wife's like, what are you doing in there? And you say, I'm reading build. <laughs> probably, probably would get away with it. <laughs> no, nah, not this time. Uh, so we, we know that to keep winning, you have to keep evolving. You have to keep bringing in young people. Um, do you guys think that Havertz or Werner would really come to LFC knowing that they're going to get limited playing time? Um, and how do you think maybe we can make it work? Jim, do you have any thoughts to start? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to plead ignorance because I have not really seen much of either player, uh, playing, uh, aside from maybe the original, uh, uh, German national team match. So, uh, 
I hate to punt, but I'm going to punt on this one. Um, <laughs> I just don't know enough about their uh, abilities or playing style to know how they would fit in or how uh, our uh, tactics and formation might change uh, based on uh, uh, the, the particular player. Brian, what, what do you think? And it, it could be based off of what you've uh, played in FIFA. <laughs> well, I'd have to ask Owen about that because he plays like <laughs> FIFA all the time, and and I'm I just don't get to because he's still on the PlayStation for his room. But that, that that's that's for the uh, different podcast I'm on called Angry Daddies. But um, so I think we're both on. Yeah, that I podcast. think everybody knows. Yeah, there you go. Everybody knows, you know, Timo Werner. He's, he's. I, I looked it up today just to make sure. I mean, he's twenty three. He's dynamic. He's he scores. He's right on the fast. Ball. He's versatile. He's two footed. He, he's terrific. I, I'd love to have him. And I know Joe, you would love him. And, and I was teasing about that earlier. There, there's a reason why you love the guy so much. He, he's everything I just mentioned. He's only twenty three. Would fit in very well on this side. He's kind of versatile and he could play really anywhere across the, t- the front three. He could play in a if we ever switch to you know two guys up front or in the four two three one. He could play any of the front four positions. I mean, he's terrific. So I, I'd love to get him. Uh, I don't know where he'd fit in because I, I think he. I think we get him if Shakiri leaves, or we we're looking at him if, if the Shakiri rumors are are substantial or perhaps real. Where you know we're looking to do a replacement. Not that he's a like for like for Shakiri, I think he's a much much better player than Shakiri probably ever will be. Uh-huh. And I like Shakiri, so I, I'd love to get him. I know you would. You'd probably buy a shirt right away. No, but, you know Havertz is a he's a huge. He's like a six one or six two. Me, I know he's over six foot midfielder. He's only twenty. Yep, he's a Leverkusen right now. Lighting um, him up. I, sorry, I think he's fighting Lewandowski for the uh, scoring title. Yeah, he he's a dynamic, attacking kind of midfielder type, and and he's only twenty, and he's already playing for the German national team. He's only had he hasn't had ten appearances yet. I looked that up. I think it's seven or eight, Um, but he's had some really good performances, you know, in their U nineteens and U seventeens, and he scored at every step of the way. He's already scored for the senior national team. I know that, and he's you know I, I think if these rumors about him are real. Then I have to say the rumors about Gene Wijnaldum are possibly real, and, and that's really the only thing that I think that's that's causing this to kind of have some legs. Yeah, the the uh, uh, we think the rumors about Genie are possibly real because Genie's doesn't his contract end after is it this season? No, guys, or is it? He has one more uh, year left. He has one more year left. So there's discussion. One year left, but he's not young anymore. He certainly isn't twenty like Havertz is. No, he's yeah, he's it, it's. I think Jeannie's, what, 29 maybe him, or something like that? You don't want to see him leave, and plus he's a great locker room guy. Um, yeah. But he is in that point in his age. He is starting to get to that age where it's time to start looking on. I mean, I, I don't see him being a James Milner and having a resurgence at 34 years old, <laughs> you know. Jeannie um, Wijnaldum right now is 29. He turns 30 in November. Okay, so next So November, he is 29 and a half and right now year, as we're so recording. His, his, contract, his contract being up will be, will be 30 and a half when his contract is up. Um, Steven Gerrard was, what, 35 when he left? And that was Steven Gerrard. 
yeah, I, I don't remember how old Gerard was. I don't think he was 35. I think he might have been younger than that, but he wasn't, you know, 32 or anything like that. That's for sure. No. So, I mean, you're kind of getting at that gray area, and but you don't want to lose that locker room guy. I mean, they're talking about how it was Ginny that, that got Mo and, and Monty back together after that, that dust up um, about not passing and and them fighting on the bench or whatever, but it was Ginny that calmed everybody down and got them back together kind of thing. Uh, I think Klopp played a part of that too, but uh, that's what, the sure. kind of stuff we're hearing. Um, this locker room is so tight knit. I, I really don't want to think of yeah. anybody leaving. Um, I mean, you kind of get the idea that Shaq's kind of on the periphery, but I mean, if you go onto Instagram and, and Jenny's the guy that's, that's liking everybody's posts, like first, um, Rian Brewster, this was, this was really cool. I don't know if you saw this. Rian Brewster kind of goes onto Instagram and, and shares a, a, a picture of him celebrating his first professional goal Every single first team player that's on Instagram liked it or said some like attaboy, keep keep it up, all that kind of stuff. This is a kid that's out on loan, but they're supporting him <laughs> still. That I, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. Every minute of it. So and and, and Jenny Autumn's one of those guys too. I, I don't wanna see I don't wanna see Jenny leave, but I think maybe we might start to if he let's just say he stays I could see his role being reduced a little bit. Maybe he's ready to go sure. to go back to Holland be, um, and and be with his family. But I think he he wants to play at the highest level because we're two years away from the World Cup, and I think he wants to be on that roster. And we'll see how things go with the Euros this year. Good call, good call. The Euros are coming, and the, his last World Cup is on the calendar, and yep. it's right around the corner. Yep, a year and a half, almost two years from right now. Because they're playing it in the winter. I suppose he could make the bench when he's he'd be 35 and a half. No, he'd be 36 and a half at the one after that. So, yeah, this might be it. Well, if he's still, yeah, well, if he's still kicking around. World Cups goes. If he's still kicking around for like. <laughs> and lock, he could make the USA lock. national team, that's for sure, but uh, that's not going to happen. So. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, you have a shot at your last World Cup this next time around. I, I hope you've been. Working on your uh, clearances and that. Jim's a center back, for those of you that don't know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm a little worried, though, because even though the the tournament's going to be in December, it's still going to be hot as hell. So, you know, what yeah. can you do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, Brian, I, I, if Havertz comes, we might see reduced role in in Ginny, but I, I think we saw Marker Grujic. Well, I think Lalana leaves too. Well, I think Lalana's so. almost written on to leave. I think he's he's yeah, ready to go for a right. mid table, lower table team that he gets to play a little bit more in. I, I think he's done. I think he's kind of trying to get his swan song on swan song in. Uh, anyway, we're we're kind of rambling now, so let's just go ahead and uh, and start and move on to Wolves. Uh, the Reds travel to Wolverhampton to take on that plucky sixth place side, Wolverhampton Wanderers. So, how are you guys feeling about this match? And Adam Adama Traore, Brian Swole Traore. <laughs> I just sold Traore on the fantasy league that I'm in because <laughs> he hasn't done much the last couple of weeks. So no, you know no. he's an interesting player, but um, you know he's their not not their best player by any stretch. So they've had a good year. Uh, it's going to be a tough game, but I, I think we have a good chance to come out with three points for sure. So I, I think we'll. Probably see a very you know um, predictable lineup. The only thing that I'm really not sure about is the midfield. You know, Savinho ready to go and start. 
do we not start Ox because he hasn't played 90 minutes the last two games? He was subbed out against Spurs and against United. You know, do you rest Hendo and put Fabinho in there? You know, who knows? So the midfield is is the only place I'm not really sure about. I'd start the front three. I'd start our normal normal back four, and uh, and also Allison obviously, and come out flying like we normally do. Get an early goal and and get three points. That's what I'm hoping for. What what do you think, Jamie, about the match or the lineup or uh, any thoughts on Wolves? Other than you Trey know, and, and his new wife is there in Wolverhampton yeah, right now. As I say, yeah, yes. Tr- yeah, Trey took a took a, a selfie, right? Well, I don't know if it was selfie. I, I, I'm guessing that uh, Peyton took the picture, but that's that's Trey's wife, by the way, folks. Yes, uh, yes. Trey, uh, we should say, has um, been on the podcast before and is the chairman of the official Liverpool Supporters Club in Indianapolis and one of the best guys you'll ever meet. And one of the best media guys in the USL. Yes, he is. <laughs> Indeed. Yes, yes. Did, wait, um, did you know that he sorry, did the, he did the Wolf. open tryout for uh, for Indy Eleven? He wait, did. What? Yeah, that that's there's some stuff from him on Twitter on Indy Eleven's uh, Twitter account. Indy Eleven's our local club here in Indianapolis, and they had an open tryout for you know area players. And Trey is, is the um, I'm gonna get his title wrong. Sorry, Trey, but kind of communications manager and media director, and you know runs all their social accounts and works very hard on match day with the media and, and all kinds of things, but uh, went through the tryout process and, and filmed himself doing so and talking to, to people about that process, which is a really interesting piece of, of work that he did and, and very, very well done for anyone that's interested in what it's like to, to kind of go through that process, check out what Trey did for, for Indy 11. But um, yeah, they're in Wolverhampton right now. And Jim, what do you think about that match? You know, the- Honestly, I, I'm not super worried about it. I, I'm not saying we're definitely going to win, but uh, Watford's, Watford's form has been kind of up and down over the last last five mi- matches. I mean, they oh gosh, didn't they lose to Watford um, uh, three or four matches ago? Switch, yeah. I think they did. Um, you know, they they uh, they drew United, if I'm not mistaken, and. So um, it's not going to be an easy match by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they they have a I think they have a pretty good defense. Um, obviously, their attack uh, can be potent. Uh, Jimenez is a player you have to look out for. Uh, Moutinho is uh, is uh, is a is a really really slick midfielder. Um, so uh, you know, I'm not sure if I would. Miss make a prediction in this match. I, I don't think we're going to lose it, uh, but I would not be overly surprised if this ended up being a draw. Um, that said, I, I still think we're going to win perhaps uh, in a narrow, maybe uh one nil or two, one sort of match. Um, I, I looking, looking back on our last time we played wolves not too long ago, uh, we were flat. We looked tired. I mean, that was a conversation. We looked exhausted, especially in the second half. Um, we got lucky with a little bit of a, a VAR doing it stuff, um, but uh, calling an offside, which I mean the player was offside. But anyway, um, I, I think I think Klopp's gonna have the boys ready um, Sunday to Thursday. That's a decent amount of rest. I think we'll go full strength, and I think we'll get a good performance out. I think this I think this Manchester United victory really kind of is gonna buoy the guys for the rest of the season. Um, we know that they're only focusing one game at a time. But you know it's in the back of their heads. They're they're thinking of what might be, and um, and they want it. 
that's the thing. And they're not dreaming about it and kind of getting lost in it and just thinking that they're the best. I think they want to prove that they're the best and go back to that lyric of, and now you're going to believe us that we are the best. And, uh, I'm scared for anybody that we're coming up against. I mean, Atletico Madrid, I'd be scared. This team's hungry, and they want it. They want it bad, and I think they're going to do it. I'm not not making it. Not not saying they're going to. I think they're gonna, they're going to do it. As in, give everybody a game, and is nothing's going to come easy for any of the opposition, um, and it's going to be a tough to play anybody. So, um, this, do either as far of you match, uh, watch? Uh... Uh, the uh, NBC Sports uh, YouTube show. It's called The Lowdown. It's kind of a side thing that Rebecca Lowe and the Robbies do or Kyle and one of the Robbies do after um, uh, the, the week's matches where um, the, the, the shtick of the segment is, is she gets asked five questions and she has to answer them within 30 seconds. Uh, do you guys ever watch that? No. Have you ever seen it before? It's actually pretty good. Um, so she thinks Liverpool are going to go uh, undefeated for the rest of the season, and she thinks that they will be more invincible than the Invincibles. I love her for that. Uh, yeah, well, we're, I mean, really, the Invincibles, the Arsenal team, they drew twelve matches. Yep. So what do we have left? Sixteen. Sorry, I was told there'd be no math tonight. Joe would do all the math. So. <laughs> My Excel sheet would do all the math. <laughs> How many matches are left? Okay, we played twenty-two. One, two, we played twenty-two or twenty-three. Five, six, seven. We played twenty-two. Ten. Sixteen. Sixteen. So we can win five and draw eleven and match Arsenal. We're not going to draw. (laughs) We're not going to draw any matches. It's it's not going to happen. Oh no. And, and I'm not saying we're going to win all of them, like Rebecca says. There's a chance that we could. It's playing like this. There's no doubt about it. She said but, undefeated. So she thinks, you know, we'll probably draw again at least once. Uh-huh. But we're going to finish undefeated and with more points than, with, than Arsenal. So Yeah. We could win six and draw the rest and still be better off. Yeah. You know, win six and draw ten and still do better than Arsenal did. And that's not going to happen. I, hell, I'd rather. Well, we won't get into it. We've gone long enough, but it, it, it's this team's off to a remarkable start, and no one's begrudging Rebecca thinking that we're just gonna, you know, run the table and, and maybe draw a couple and, and win the rest. That, that's certainly very feasible, and All right. it's pretty damn exciting to think about. All right, so let's start wrapping it up. Uh, Jim, coming to you first. Plugs, non plugs, man. Um. So I, I you know. It being uh, Martin Luther King Day, um, I, I don't have any non-plugs. And I, that's not meant to say that you guys are going to be in bad taste if you do non-plugs, just to be clear. <laughs> um, but I just couldn't, one thing, think of anything for today. Uh, but but second, you know, this is this is a day that... Um, that I think is is a super important day. I mean, that that may sound like master of the obvious, but my plug is going to be related to Martin Luther King Day, and that has to do with um, uh, Brian Stevenson, who is an attorney and uh, professor at New York University. Um, he is the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, which is an organization that is uh, based in Alabama that um, is focused on um, working on cases uh, to um, 
represent people who have been uh, unjustly convicted of crimes. Um, and he, um, so there's a movie out right now called Just Mercy that's based on his memoir about his work uh, with the Equal Justice Initiative and just him growing up um, in Alabama and um, and just on uh, racial equality in the United States in general. And so my plug is going to be um, Just Mercy because uh, it, it's not only a book, now it's a movie. So if you like to read, I would say go read the book. It's fantastic. Um, if you prefer to go to the theater or wait until it comes on one of the streaming uh, services, uh, see the movie because um, they're both of them are fantastic. Um, the movie stars about Michael B. Jordan and, and uh, Jamie Foxx. I think Brie Larson's in it too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I haven't seen it yet, but everybody I've talked to several people who have, and they thought it was outstanding. So that is my plug for tonight. Sorry to be so serious, but I thought it appropriate for the for the day. No, it's fine. Uh, Brian, plugs not plugs. Well done. That that's hard to follow. Much like Jim's comment earlier about the 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 desire of this club and how focused they are. That was hard to follow too. But uh, hey, that that was a good one. Well well done. So um, you know, I already non plugged the United supporters acting like idiots, and that, that's always <laughs> easy to do. So I'll you know I've kind of done that earlier. So I won't do that. I, hey, you know, um, Adam Alana's weird looking Puma boots. I'll non plug those just for the fun of it. <laughs> um, he's changed colors, and they're equally as bad as his previous Puma boots that he had. So. Um, a couple of plugs tonight. I'll try to do it quickly. It'd be just a, a great um, turnout and performance, really, by the, all the local indie Reds and all the Liverpool supporters in the area at Union Jack Pub this weekend. Got there early, packed the place, well-behaved, just had a great time with each other, meeting new people and, and encouraging people you never met before to sit at a table with you. I mean, it was just... A terrific event, a big match, and and well done to everybody there, the staff, the servers, everybody in New Jack Pub and beautiful Broad Ripple. Well done, and especially the Indy Reds as well. So, plug to those folks. Um, one other plug tonight is to a uh, a female footballer named Fran Kitching, and those you probably don't recognize that name, but uh, I know a, a 15 year old kid in in my house named Owen who would know who that is. And Alex might know as well, Joe, because she is the goalkeeper for the Liverpool ladies team. And okay. our boys were at a camp up in uh, South Bend uh, this past summer. And the Liverpool ladies team stopped by and, and kind of played around with the, everybody there at the camp. Now she's a Liverpool goalkeeper and just suffered probably the most horrific injury I've ever seen. And I know you know, we've seen broken ankles and crazy things like that before. This is a, a head injury that she suffered, and it's just... Is it Peter Check bad? Uh, uh, oh, worse. I, I sent you guys just a picture of the two black eyes, and I'll send you pictures of the rest of it. In fact, I'm going to do it right now because uh, maybe I can get a, like, a live reaction here. This oh, is... Oh, I just looked it up. My God. This, I mean, this is, is like a, this unbelievable. Is like a, yeah. Joe, it's coming to you right now. I want to hear what you kind of have to say about this. So, um, an injury, kind of scalp and forehead, unbelievable. Uh, Fran Kitching, the, the Liverpool women's goalkeeper. And I, I, th I hope the we'll, we'll send a, a, a tweet to her from the pod, and, and hopefully she gets well soon. But um, shout out and a plug to her for I uh, hope she gets better soon and just one of the worst head injuries I've ever seen. And, and uh, 
looks like my pictures I'm sending you guys are taking just a minute or two here, but um, I just got it. Yeah, are you getting the 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 after? She's the doctor. Joe, yeah, are you getting the before? Oh yeah, where do you see the before? So and oh, it's, it's wow. hopefully it arrives like here in a second. Yeah, but, the, uh, the, oh man, that is bad. That is really something, isn't it? Oh. So. Um, yeah, so Fran Kitching, a Liverpool ladies goalkeeper. Hope she gets well soon. That's oh, my man. real plug tonight. All right. Okay, well, my plug is going to be for you and Jack Pub and beautiful Broad Ripple. Um, if you're ever in town, go check them out, even if you're going to be watching a match or not. Uh, great staff, great people, great food, um, great beer list. Also want to plug Amazon uh, customer service. I know <laughs> I know that Am- <laughs> these guys know where I'm going at with this, but um, – but um so it's kind of a long story but um your your podcast host bought the wrong <laughs> apple gift cards uh was planning to get an apple watch and uh cashed in some amazon gift cards for what ended up being app store gift cards not apple store gift cards and they would not accept them at <laughs> at the Apple Store, so Joe does not get an Apple Watch. Um, thankfully, Amazon was able to cancel that order since the gift card was not claimed and refund us. So thank you very much for my non-plug of the night, uh, which is me <laughs> being an idiot. Um, I do have a little bit of it. Also, another non-plug. It is Flu Strand B. Um Flu, the flu wreaked havoc in our house uh, the week before last, and then on Sunday it was Daddy's turn to be sick, um, and I was battling nastiness all last week, which is hence why we did not podcast. So I'm bouncing back. I can actually hear me this week. Uh, last week it was very difficult uh, to make out what I was saying. So anyway, <laughs> um, I'm glad to be back. So I want to thank anybody for coming. Uh, for listening. Thank you, Jim and Brian, for coming on the podcast. Uh, we really do appreciate it. We really do appreciate every single one of you listeners. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, we're going to put the contact information in the outline of the podcast notes. Um, and hey, guess what? And now they're going to believe us. And now they're going to believe <laughs> us. And now they're going to believe us. We're going we're gonna to win, win the, the league. league. We're gonna win the league. Hey, before, before the league. one more thing. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I have one more plug. <laughs> I want to plug the red skies over Anfield uh, during <laughs> the Manchester United, the Liverpool Manchester United match. Did you see the photos of that, guys? Yes. And did you yes, see Virgil? Ridiculous. Yeah. And the and when Virgil's do, Virgil's doing his jump celebration, and you see the red skies behind. Yes. yes. It's cool. Okay, that's all I had to say. Sorry, Joe. This is Joe Dilling signing off for episode 105 of the New Reds podcast. You'll never walk alone, and we're going to win the league. Better believe it. <laughs> <laughs>